Hi everyone and welcome to another episode of the Product Coalition. I'm on my European tour today where I'm very excited to be by, joined by Tamar Yehoshua, the CPO of Slack. Welcome very much, Tamar. Thank you. It's great to be here. Great, great to have you on board. I'm really looking forward to chatting through how Slack uses and develops Slack. Should awesome. Going to be good. Now, before we get going, I do need to give a shout out to some brands and businesses. You see, I'm, on, I'm visiting Europe and I'm traveling Europe interviewing product leaders from all around Europe. But unfortunately, due to the COVID-19 situation, I'm also diversifying. So I've learned to pivot and I'm reaching out to product leaders all around the world now. And I'm very excited to have Tamar join me today. So this tour of Europe and reaching out to these leaders is all about raising awareness and support for the bushfire affected communities and wildlife in Australia. So if you enjoy this episode or any of the episodes, please consider visiting bushfire.productcoalition.com. If you've just discovered the Product Coalition, welcome. We're a global product community of over 500,000 readers, 6,000 Slack members, and thousands of podcast listeners. You can find out more about us at platform.productcoalition.com to find out more. Now, before we get stuck in, as I mentioned, I need to thank some brands and supporters of the Bushfire Fundraiser. First up is UserPilot. UserPilot is a code-free user onboarding and adoption tool designed especially for product management teams. UserPilot helps to increase conversion, user retention rates, and reduce churn by guiding new users to their first aha moment with interactive walkthroughs, contextual product tours, and onboarding checklists. It allows product managers to build fully customizable, behavior-triggered in-app experiences with a simple visual editor. Go to userpilot.com to grab a demo and a free trial. Shobit Chug is a Google product manager and helps product managers become product leaders and have careers they can be proud of. Head to intentionalproductmanager.com to sign up for Shobit's free class on the habits that turn product managers into exceptional product leaders and help them move through their careers fast. Product-led teams like Mixpanel and Flexport know that the best time to capture engagement is when a user is already inside the product. That's why they use Chameleon to drive feature adoption, build onboarding flows and gather user feedback. You can give it a go at trychameleon.com slash success. Thank you so much to those brands and also to Rich Miranoff and Chris Miles for supporting the fundraiser. Tamar, I'm excited to get stuck into learning all about Slack at Slack, essentially, from using it to developing it. It's going to be a good episode. It will. It's going to be good. So would you mind getting us a bit of an intro? You've got a really interesting background, um, fascinating career. I'd, I'd love to hear a little bit about that career path from yourself. Uh, sure. So I joined Slack last January and prior to Slack, more, most recently I was at Google. I was there for about eight and a half years. I was a VP of product development leading a variety of different teams, product and engineering. Most of my career at Google was in Google search and did a variety of different things in search. Uh, very exciting to be working on a product that was used by billions of people. And my last year there, I was leading um, identity and privacy. Prior to Google, I was at Amazon, where I led advertising technology for A9, which was the subsidiary in the Bay Area. And then before that, I was at a bunch of startups. So I've done the like small company, the really big company, and Slack is a great opportunity to be at a, an exciting phase of a growing company. Fantastic. Fantastic. Can I ask, what's, what's one of your earliest memories of Slack when it came into the market? When it came into the market, I didn't, at Google, like, you don't use products outside of Google. So what's this thing that everyone's being so excited about? Because we couldn't use it. 
So it was like not really understanding the draw. And then I started reading more about it and understand. I had a, a good friend who was using Slack at work and he would tell me about it. So that was really my first aha moment when I was talking to him about how Slack was so integrated into their engineering team and how transformational it was for them. For me, I, you know, I remember those days when it was, there was so much talk about it. It was one of those products that people wanted to get hold of. Everyone wanted to, yes. to give it a try. And what would differentiate it was how much people loved it. Yeah. Yeah. People really liked it. And it just seemed to break so many barriers. But yes. to look at it, it was like, it sort of looks like the same as things we've been using, but it's completely different to things we've been using. And it's a really interesting lesson how somebody, something can appear so similar, but done right, it just takes off when it has the right product market fit and the right approach. It was, it was fantastic, fantastic growth and uh, obviously extremely accessible. I'm very proud to have Slack as the community for Product Coalition where everyone can chat freely and easily. I don't make a lot of money out of this community, so it's great to be able to have a product that enables me to connect to other people so easily. And we have a phenomenal number of direct messages between community members, and that's what really surprises me is how much the community talk to one another outside of the channels. I, I love seeing things like this, how it takes off and how it really transforms how people are communicating. And we're seeing that in, in this time with COVID-19 as well. So right. fascinating to see. Right. Okay. Yeah. I mean, the, the, the problem I had back in the day when we started as a medium publication, it was just too long conversations. And I just, I've never been a fan of forums, really. I'm not really a forums kind of guy. Um, and so the, the Slack format and as a channel just seemed to work. And again, it was particularly in the product management space, it was well known, already familiar, and served a, a great purpose um, for fast yeah, the, community. The diversity of communities that we see is quite staggering, which is really interesting. You're right; it just lends itself to product managers. And I had a friend who bought a house, and he's like, "My HOA is on Slack." And then now we have a COVID nineteen Slack workspace for all the doctors who are in the front line, so that they can talk to wow. each other. It's so fascinating. Brilliant, brilliant. And do you mind telling us some, some insider tips from, from you on how does Slack use Slack then? How do we use Slack at Slack? So when I joined Slack, I was not an avid Slack user before, as I said, coming from Google. So my first impression when I got there is there is not a single email sent within the company. Your only emails are to external people and everything is within Slack. So your first week you come home and you're like, wow, there's no email. And it's just organized so differently. And then within product development, what I love is the combination, how you can streamline information, but have transparency. And that's something I haven't seen to the degree we can do it at Slack. So for example, every new feature we develop has its own channel. So let's say we developed a feature called uh, uh, email bridge for example. And so we'll have feet, F-E-A-T dash email bridge, and it's a public channel. So the product managers are in there, the engineers, the designers, the legal PR, anybody can follow along. And so if somebody hears something like, oh, you're developing this feature email bridge, they know that they can find the channel by saying feet dash email bridge. So that's where all the questions are answered about it. 
And that's an amazing level of transparency. So that's every feature. And then as through our development process, the way we track our projects and our OKRs, we're pretty good about quarterly OKRs in our product and engineering team. And then we also have top projects. And then we have a meeting every Monday where everyone gets together to give status. And the meeting is limited to who attends, but all the notes are in a public channel. So anybody in the organization sees exactly what we're discussing, sees the status of every project. So this combination of keeping the meetings to the people who need to be there, but having transparency of information, we do that for our Monday meetings. We do that for our product strategy reviews with Stuart, the CEO. The meetings are small. The notes and the decks are all public. So it's that interesting combination that I think allows a certain agility and, and, um, and better information dispersion. And the the last thing I'll I'll mention, there's so many things of how we use Slack, but how we use emojis and we use really use them as workflows. So we, if you're to give approval of something, if you give a check mark, that's considered approved. And that's as good as sending an email that you approve something. We also use something called uh, a reactive channeler. There's a way of feeding information into other channels by using a certain emoji. So if there's a thread with customer support and there's a bug and it, it's um, part of the expansion team, the expansion team can use their emoji to react and that channels it to their channel so that their team can then take care of it. Wow. So it's so interesting cool. to think of emojis as workflows and we see our customers doing this too. Right. Okay. Wow. So you can use an emoji and it redistributes that content because that can be the hard thing is with that many channels, how do you stay on top of it? And I suppose when you've got a a network effect, all of you are looking at all different channels and you can bring it back. What's nice is you don't have to read all of them. You only have to go to them when you need them. So you don't have to read all the feed channels, but if you know that there's something you're looking for, you can easily use search to find it because you know that they're there. And of course, I didn't mention the standard things like we have announcement channels, every team has their own channel, we have social channels. Right now, during the COVID-19 uh, work from home, the cooking channel has been on fire. Right. <laughs> <laughs> because everybody's home cooking, nobody's going out. So it's, and we have a, I, I think this audience would like this, we have a PM fun channel, where PMs like to talk about things like how they're using spreadsheets to, uh, in, a, in a really cool and innovative way, or just, they go there and they blow off steam. So it's, a, it's this nice combination of keeping the team together and cohesive by communicating in these channels and also giving, making information transparent. Can I ask, what, what does sort of onboarding into the Slack, Slack application look like then for a new employee? How do they orientate themselves around it? That's, that's a great question. So we have a Slack onboarding class and cool. we have a Slack 101 that, and the first thing we tell people is if you use Slack in your, or at your previous company, it's probably different how we use it here because everything's in Slack. So we have a pretty good onboarding that we give to people. And then we do things like in the product management team, we use our workflow builder. If you're familiar with the workflow builder, which is an easy way for anyone without writing any code to write a workflow. So when somebody gets added to our PM channel, we haven't, we've automated the process through the workflow builder of onboarding them and saying, here's the channels you should be in. Here's the documents you should look at. And a lot of you learn how to use Slack just by also watching because you see very quickly how people are using emojis, how they're using at mentions. So that's another thing that 
uh, we were very diligent about. Like if, if Jay, if you need to see a message in a channel, you're mentioned in the channel. We don't assume that you read every channel unless you're at mention. So you see the behavior that people use and, uh, and you ask a lot of questions and people are very helpful, but you get it really quickly. Right. So the at mention is, is that like your equivalent of an inbox? It's, it's uh, the equivalent of saying you need to pay attention to this. Right. Okay. Is what I would say. Right. And what I do is there are some channels when I have time, I'll make sure that I read them. But I don't feel like, oh, in the middle of my day, I have to look at them. Unless you at mention me, then I know you're waiting for me. So yeah, it's a way of, and I also have my notification set so that I'll get a notification on my phone or I'll be badged if somebody mentions me in a channel. So that's, that's kind of a, um, it's a very good way of keeping the focus on what's important. One of the other advantages that seems to have come with Slack since day one was how it created its own ecosystem, pretty much straight out of the gate. Um, yeah. There's a number of apps that have always been around to plug in and people have done some wild and wacky things with Slack over the years, I, I know. Um, I'm keen to hear what, what, what apps or plugins are you guys installing and, and running and finding useful? So I totally agree with you. We literally have thousands of apps in the Slack ecosystem. And what we hear from people is, and what we aspire to is if you use an app through the Slack platform, it should be easier and simpler to use than if you had to use it directly. So we obviously use a ton of integrations. I think our, for the engineering department, Jira is top of the list. We have a very good Jira integration. So all of our product development is, is uh, managed through Jira. And uh, incident management, we use PagerDuty and GitHub. We use Ally for our OKR tracking. And for OKRs, basically, I said we review our OKRs in these Monday meetings. So on Friday afternoon, the, the owner of every OKR gets a ping in, a, in Slack saying, please update this on, in Ally. And they can do the whole thing from Slack. They don't have to leave ever. And they know that it's super easy to give their update right there in Slack. We also use something called Standuply for synchronizing uh, for daily standups for, or for like retrospective meetings. We use Figma for our design. All these have great integrations. I think one of the things that also was a surprise to me when I left Google and everything was standardized on G Suite at Google, then all of a sudden I get to Slack and everybody uses their favorite document management system. And, but it's what, because of the integrations with Slack, if I need to find something, I just go to search in Slack. I don't need to search in each document management system. So the list goes on, but we, um, I should mention the last thing is we use all of the productivity suites, like integrating with your calendar is, is big. Everybody integrates with your calendar, so you can do that right there from Slack. Great, great. Can I ask, um, there's been organizations I've been in where Slack is not seen as something suitable for the leadership team. It's seen as, seen as what the, the guys on a factory line should be using and, and not, not the leaders. Leaders get emails and PowerPoint decks and things like that. Can I ask, what, what have you learned or seen with regards to what's a good way to use Slack as a leader um, instead of as a team member maybe? I think it's an amazing way of disseminating information and giving transparency. So I rely on our announcements channel so I give regular updates to the whole team in the announcements channel. And uh, we're soon going to be releasing, this is still in, in, internally, the ability to see who's, how many people have read 
your what kind of activity you have on the messages you send in the announcements channels, which um, I've been using for a little while, which is great. So I think the announcements, the team channels, the other thing I do, whenever there's a big launch of something and a team launches, I think I can go to their team channel and just pipe in and say, hey, congrats on this great launch. Or if there's, um, I'm going to have a customer meeting, we have accounts channels for every single customer. So I can go to accounts IBM and say, what's the latest with IBM and see all of the status. So I think the access to information for a leader of seeing everything that's going on is, I've never had before, it's unprecedented for me in my career. And then the access that you can give to the people in your organization to what's going on is also for me unprecedented. Yeah, I suppose it, it makes the leader more visible because they're able to yeah. join conversation you can, and contribute. You can pipe in so easily into any of these channels and people love it when even by just reacting to something, and they're like, oh, wow, Tamara's in the channel. She read it. She saw what, what we're doing. So it's just, it's just really nice. You feel more uh, connected with the team. Fantastic. Fantastic. Now, there's been some big updates to Slack recently. Um, could you tell us a bit about your product management development approach? So we launched a simpler, more organized Slack. Uh, it was a big endeavor. Internally, we called it our new information architecture. And one of the things that I would highlight that we did was took a, what we call prototype the path approach. So you never know, it's very hard to predict what's going to work and what isn't. And in things like this, you have to see it and you have to feel it and you have to use it. So we did heavy, heavy prototyping early on. What we, we wanted to simplify the UI. It had gotten very messy over the years. Lots of product managers adding features and wanting them all to be at the top level so that you could find them easily. And then all of a sudden, nothing. You can't find anything because there are too many bells and whistles everywhere and there are five different menus and you don't know which menu to look at. So we took the approach of instead of incrementing and doing small changes in our prototyping, we said, what if we went to the extreme? and put everything behind one button. And everyone's like, well, that's not gonna work. Of course it's not gonna work, but it makes you think more boldly. So we put everything behind one button and see what it feels like. And then you slowly go back and you say, what do you really miss? And we would, um, we would have designs, we would roll out prototypes within sometimes a half a day, a day, worked really tightly with a group of engineers who were prototyping on our platform, and then we'd use it. And then we'd say, what works, what doesn't? And so we iterated incredibly fast in our prototyping. But I think what really stands out is we prototype together with our customers. Right. So we use shared channels for, to communicate with our customers. So if people aren't familiar with shared channels, it's a channel that's shared across organizations. So we have a workspace of what we call our Slack champions. And there's over 30 organizations from all different types of organizations and over 100 champions in there. And we had a shared channel between our champions workspace and our product and development workspace so that the people working on the simpler, more organized Slack, the engineers, designers, product managers, were in a shared channel with our champions and we were feeding them updates to the prototypes on a regular, sometimes daily basis. We're like, how do you like this? What do you think of this? And we'd get like comments like, oh no, oh my God, you can't do this. Or like this line is like, overriding this other line, like finding bugs for us. But we iterate with them. So we, I've never been in a process we, where we could develop together, like co-create 
with our customers, with our, with our highest, like most engaged customers. And it one, it had the, you know, added effect of them buying into the release, but they were a part of it. And so that went on for a couple months until we were ready, until we thought, okay, now we've gotten to the point where we've iterated to the point where we believe that we're on the right track. So that was really, really exciting to see how shared channels could be used in a prototype in a prototyping environment with our customers. So there's a few things that stand out to me um, there. Firstly, I love the fact and love hearing you've take this qualitative approach to speaking to real people, having like the amount of data Slack must have, I imagine is phenomenal. Um, but you've still taken that approach to be human and speak to humans and get human insights as opposed to just looking at the numbers and the quant side of it. That's, that, brilliant. that's, a, that's a big part of our culture is we look at data, obviously. We're very, we love data, but we're data informed. We're not data driven. Um, and I should add the other thing that we relied on a lot was um, user testing. So the shared channel was for our tenured users, but we also wanted to make sure it worked for new users. So we did weekly rounds of testing with new users who had never seen Slack before. And we did head to heads, our old UI and our new UI for brand new users. And the first time we did it didn't come out so well. And then we kept doing it over and over again until every single thing we tested was better in the new UI. You may remind me of the, uh, the magic link, you know, from an onboarding experience um, when, when Slack introduced that magic link and you could just click and end up back in your Slack. That was groundbreaking. Like that was such a nice feature. So it's just great to hear that you're constantly pushing um, with real people. It's, it's very easy to lose your way. You do some great things and then crud creeps in and you have to keep going back and you have to keep remembering what it's like to be a new user. And that's what I think is hard when you're being a product manager and a tool that you use every day. You have to maintain empathy. So we did, a, we did an experiment where we onboarded. Uh, we took all of our, our team that works on onboarding and we said, pretend you are a new user. You just heard about Slack at a barbecue from a friend. Now we're going to step through this UI together. You're in that mindset. Put yourself in their shoes and then go through the product. So you have to constantly be remembering what it's like for somebody who isn't like you so we don't get in the trap of only doing features for people like us. And people like you are heavy, heavy Slack users. So um, it's great to hear you respect the other end of, of the experience there. Um, now, Slack is critical whether you're in the office or whether you're out the office or whether you've got a distributed team around the world. And obviously, all of a sudden, everyone's now working remotely and, and distributed. And for many, that's familiar and very comfortable. And for others, that's very unfamiliar and uncomfortable. Um, what does what this situation of a world of remote work, what, what does that mean for Slack and how Slack responded to that? First, we went remote, and that was really interesting for us as a company. We're obviously 100% remote now. We have over 2,000 people in 18 offices in 10 different countries. And for us to make that switch, it was very natural because we were all in Slack already, 
And I think what Slack, Slack was obviously not built as a tool for remote workers, but it helps for remote working because of the agility you have and how you communicate. But one thing that was super interesting is when we went remote, we saw the number of messages in channels in Slack for Slack, the company increased almost 30%. Because you you can't communicate face-to-face, so everything went in channel. And so at first, the first week, it was like, whoa, there's just so much going on because people want to stay connected. And the other thing I thought was super interesting is that people who didn't usually pipe up in channels, so maybe they were more shy or didn't want to be exposed in a certain way, all of a sudden, everyone was equally communicating in channels because that was the only way you could communicate. So I thought that was really interesting what happened to us at Slack. And then we obviously saw that the same thing with our customers. We saw an increase in messages sent um, on average around 20% of of increase in messages sent for all of our existing customers. So people just took how they were communicating and started communicating much more. We obviously, uh, Stuart uh, did a a tweet storm the other day of what actually went on within uh, Slack. And if anybody's curious about that, it's a really interesting read. We've seen a lot more interest in created work teams. But what for us has been a real focus over the last couple of weeks is how do we help people understand how they can use Slack in a way that will help them with remote work. So we published a number of tips and tricks on our website. So if you go to slack.com slash remote, you can get, there's a manager's guide for working remotely. There's the tips for how you work in channels. So people who are using Slack in a certain way, but may not have been using it optimally for every project, channels for every project, reactions or in this way, social channels to keep connected. It's pushed them towards understanding the full extent that they could leverage Slack, which was very, very interesting to see. It's great to hear you supporting um, those coming in and adjusting um, to this. Um, I did a session a couple of weeks ago with a remote work specialist that's been in the game for 10 years and he's incredibly excited by the acceleration now behind remote work obviously it's come at a very sad cost, but it it seems to have, this change could be the change now and there may be no going back. It's going to be so interesting. Um, So another thing that we did is we've done free consultations for people who, they don't have to be new to Slack. They can be new to Slack or existing Slack uh, customers and a lot of them are asking about that. So I did a consultation last week with a small company in Austin who's trying to figure out how to use Slack and just talking through a lot of the things that we're talking through now really helps people. And I'm very curious what's going to happen after all this lifts. If we're going to see, we're already seeing a rise of remote working before all this. It's increased pretty substantially in the last 10 years. But now are we going to see some companies that maybe decide they're going to go all remote based on this? Or so, uh, or realize that here's the tools I need to work remotely and to be more effective. So I have no doubt that it's going to change the way people work and it's not going to go back to 100% like it was before. Yeah, no. Can, can I ask, I've been speaking to many product managers around the world and that the force of remote work, they feel that it's really hard to do product management really well, fully remote, and they're, they're struggling with it. Could you share with me, what, what, what do you find that you're doing different the last few weeks where you can't get that face-to-face time that, that you would do otherwise? What's changed for you? So we're, we did it. We had an off-site schedule for right. a sprint, a design sprint. 
which was the first week we were uh, working remotely and everyone's like, oh no, how do we do this? And we did it. Uh, we did it with Zoom and with Slack. So the combination of having Zoom open like a free, uh, like uh, open a Zoom channel that you could, people could just pipe into when they wanted and having that accompanied by the, ch the right channel for the offsite, lots of channels for the projects, channels for where you communicate. And then some people are experimenting with the kind of whiteboarding tools where you can share designs. We use Figma very heavily, so that helps a lot too. And we're, we do things like the virtual happy hour at the end of the day. And we were really surprised that it worked. Right. So that I would say that on the one side and the other side is really shared channels. Instead of setting up meetings with your customers, you can just communicate super effectively and very quickly with people in their own workspaces. So you mentioned like, it's, that it's, it's harder to get people on um, additional workspaces, new ones, but with a shared channel, you're in, you're in your own company's workspace and you just open up one channel there to talk to whoever you need to talk to. So that's, we've seen a real increase in, in usage of shared channels, especially by like our customer support teams uh, and how they can effectively use that. So it's been, it's been really interesting that we have, you know, obviously it's been very hard on people with illnesses and taking care of kids and not everybody has a good setup at home, but the people who are able to work from home, we've cranked out more stuff in the last couple of weeks because people are so motivated to help our new users. It's clearly, clearly we're able to. Um, I, I do also remember the little, um, bundle sign in the top right corner, a little parcel of, of new features that used to, and still does come along from Slack has always been a, a favorite. And that was always a nice touch as a way of delivering and sharing what's come new into Slack. Um, is that there in the, in the new version of Slack? Yeah, under the, there's the, um, the question mark in the top right. And if you click on that, there's actually a tour of the new uh, information architecture that takes you through a visual tour that takes you through everything. And that's where you're going to see uh, what's new. So, any, yeah, still any, any favorite features on the new organized, simpler version of Slack for you? Oh, the sections are amazing. <laughs> so right, okay. that, that is only for paid uh, Slack uh, workspaces. But for people who have a lot of channels, you can organize them into sections. And so it just, and you can put DM, your DMs, apps, and your channels in those sections. So like I have a team section where I have all of my team channels and I have DMs for everyone in my team is in my team section. And it's at the top of my channel list instead of having to like read through everything. So that's like, that's transformed my life. Great to hear. Thank you. Thanks so much, Tamar, for sharing so much about Slack and how you build products. This has been fantastic. It's been great to be here. Thank you, Jay. Absolute pleasure. For anyone listening, um, I hope you've enjoyed the session. And for those on YouTube, I hope you've enjoyed watching the session as well. Thank you so much, Tamar, for talking through with me on this. And for those listening, if you have enjoyed this episode or any of the episodes whilst I'm on this European tour, you can support the free causes, which is the Volunteer Firefighters of Australia, the National Bushfire Fund, or the wildlife over at bushfire.productcoalition.com. Until the next episode, thank you very much. Goodbye. <laughs>